it begins with God. Uh, as many of you know, I just moved here in August, and since being here, I have loved every moment. I've done just about all the touristy things, went to all the museums, visited all the monuments, canoed down the Potomac River, and most importantly, tried mumbo sauce. Uh, but one thing, Union Wesley, that I absolutely cannot stand about D.C. is the traffic. Uh, before coming here, I used to smile more. I tried my best to treat my neighbor right and to love everybody. But since moving here and being in this traffic, I've gained a little bit of road rage and frustration with folks. Uh, simply because you know that folks will cut you off in a minute. People will try and turn right from the furthest left lane. And then folks will sit there, look you square in the eye, and hold their horn like you can move. Yeah, driving is something different. It's something strange, something I've never experienced before. Uh, to be in D.C. traffic is almost like being the worst, simply because I pay good gas money to put in my car. And now it's being wasted sitting in traffic because the car is in drive, but I'm not driving. I haven't gone anywhere for some time. I can see the green light that tells me I can go, but I can't because I'm stuck in traffic. This makes me frustrated. I get a little upset and consider if it's easier for me to just pop an illegal U-turn real quick and go back home because I don't want to be stuck in traffic. My brothers and sisters, I think I'm in good company this morning uh, because I'm not the only one who doesn't like being in traffic. Everybody in here, because you live in D.C., has been in traffic. Everyone under the sound of my voice has been at one time or another stuck in a place in which they felt like they would never get out of. Most of you have felt like you've wasted your time getting all your way out there only to be stuck in one spot. A number of you in here have become frustrated because you were on your way to somewhere important, but instead you were held up. And I know that some of you saw the green light but soon became discouraged because there was nowhere to go and you were sick and tired of sitting right where you were with no place to go, no one to help, and nothing to do, just stuck. Well, friends, if you haven't caught it by now, I think I've just sneaked in a sermonic suggestion to you because while many of you still think I'm talking about my experience in D.C., I'm rather talking about your experience in life. That if the truth be told up in here, up in here, every one of us have felt stuck one way or another. Stuck in a relationship, stuck with folks you didn't want to be around, stuck in a storm, stuck with a bad diagnosis, stuck feeling lonely like there was no place to turn, stuck being confused on why you were where you are in life, stuck smiling in public but suffering in private, stuck in the, mid in the middle of a situation in which you can find no swift relief. One way or another, life will have all of us stuck sometimes. And no matter how good you look, no matter how many different tongues you speak, no matter how many scriptures you know, 
everybody gets stuck sometimes everybody has traffic everybody has trials everybody has tribulations everybody has tests if you don't believe me then we're in good company this morning uh, because the Israelites in our text today are prime examples of what it means to be stuck somewhere uh, contrary to popular belief the book of Genesis was not written as God was creating the earth no, the book of Genesis was written much later in the Israelites' life. It was written in their time in exile. If you remember, they had gotten to the promised land, a land in which they could call their own, but as soon as they arrived, they found themselves in trouble with their neighbors. Their neighbors, the Assyrians. Their neighbors, the Babylonians. Their neighbors, the Persians. Fought them, conquered them, and took them from their home and placed them in foreign culture and oppressed them. God's people were now surrounded by ungodly things and were pushed to assimilate to the culture. And because they were surrounded by ungodly things, the ungodly things seemed to be the order of the day. The ungodly things seemed to be the norm. The ungodly things seemed to be what was right just because everyone around them was doing it. But can I pause here for the calls and let you know that just because everybody is doing it doesn't mean it's for you to do it too. My parents helped prove this point to me. They said, if little Johnny jumped off a bridge, would you jump with little Johnny? Uh, but rather than assimilating, rather than conforming to the ways of culture, the Israelites understood who they were. The one thing the Israelites knew was that even though they were stuck in exile, they were not the people of other gods. They were not the people of Assyrians, Babylonians, or the Persians. They were not the people of their oppressors, but they were the people of the one and only God. And although they are stuck in a strange, uncomfortable, and what seemed like a God-deserted place, instead of giving up, instead of throwing in the towel, instead of quitting on God, they simply turned around and began to remember where God has brought them from. Uh, they realize that every now and again, when they are stuck in a situation, that they had to take a step back and recall how far God has brought them and consider why they got in this thing in the first place. Because sometimes if I'm reminded of why I entered, it gives me strength to endure. Uh, this is exactly what the Israelites did. It's right there in your Bible. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1 that says, in the beginning, God. It is important to note that they did not say in the beginning there was exile. It did not say in the beginning there was a problem. It says in the beginning, God. They realized that their Beginning does not start with what they're going through, but their beginning simply begins with God. They realize that what they were going through is only part of the story, but God is still the initiator and the sustainer of their story. And while you, my brothers and sisters, might not be going through exile, everybody has something. It is commonly said that either you just came out of something, you're going through something now, or you're about to enter into something. 
But under them warm clothes, beneath the makeup, and underneath that thick layer of Vaseline and cocoa butter you threw on this morning, everybody has something that they're dealing with. But can I tell you the good news this morning? The good news is that God existed before your it. I should have had 100% class participation right there. I said, God existed before your it. Whatever your it is, whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance, whatever your problem, can I tell you what the scripture is trying to tell us today? That there was a God before there was a problem. And somebody needs to know that there was a God before your situation. There was a he before there was a me. There was a him before there was a this or that. There was a God before your haters arrived. There was a God before Trump was in office. There was a God before money started acting funny and change started acting strange and nickels became fickle and dimes did not come on time there was a God before there was a government there was a God before there was a diagnosis there was a God before there was that co-worker who got on your last reserved nerve uh, play preacher real quick and talk to your neighbor and tell them neighbor God existed before uh, my beginning does not begin with me, it begins with him. Uh, may I present my argument? Uh, while the Israelites are going through what they're going through, uh, they begin to imagine with God on how this whole thing called life began. So in Genesis chapter 1, the author begins to paint the picture we know as the creation story. Uh, not necessarily to tell us all the exact details about how the earth was made but rather to introduce us to God and to give an account of God's relationship with his creation and the first thing we notice in our text today is that God in the beginning is God is a God who proclaims it's right there in your Bible Genesis chapter 1 says in the beginning God created uh, the word creation in this verse, in the Hebrew, the word is bara. Let the church say ba. Let the church say ra. Let the whole church say bara. Uh, the word bara is a word that means to produce or to create. The interesting thing about this word is that the word bara is only used in the entire Bible when it's talking about when God alone produces or creates something. Whenever humans create or produce something in the Bible, other words are used. But the word bara is reserved only for the actions of God. Which means humans cannot bara. You and I cannot bara. But only God can barah, insinuating that there are only some things that God alone has the power to do. That while God has given us these growing minds and knowledge to do amazing things in technology and education, there is still only some things that only God does. There is a specific divine creation, a specific divine production that only flows from the essence that is God. That when we survey the world and see the trees that grow and sway on their own, and when we see the ocean and how vast and deep it is, when we see the birds that pick up themselves and fly in the air, when 
We consider the wind that we feel and know not where it comes from. When, when we see things on the earth like the Grand Canyon and the Aurora Lights and even the snow that falls on the earth, we know that we couldn't have done any of that, but it had to be God. I know you believe it because we affirm it every time we say the Apostles' Creed. We say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Because there is only some things that only God has the power to do. And it's just not when we look around at nature, but we can look at our own lives. And many of you know what I'm talking about because there are some things in your life that you're not sure how it was done. You're not sure how it was fixed. You're not sure how you overcame it. But all you know is God did it. There are some things in your life that you can think about right now and realize that your education could not do it for you. Your connections could not make it happen and your money even couldn't buy it. But all you know, it was, it was only God. And I dare you for just a moment to think about that car accident you survived, to think about that slippery situation that you encountered, to think about that storm you weathered through, to think about that moment of depression and shame you went through, to think about that mistake you thought you'd never recover from, but God did that thing. Oh, folks asked you how you made it, how you endured, how you made it through, but all you could do was shrug your shoulders and point to God. Because you know God to make ways when there was no way. And God to open doors that you didn't even know existed. But not only that, it's important to note how God did what he did in the scripture. God speaks. Uh, God proclaims creation into being just about every verse in Genesis chapter 1 says these words and then God said and the next sentence says and it was so you missed it I got to come back to you all right God said let there be light and it was so God said let there be a firmament or a vault between the waters and it was so. God said, let there be grass or vegetation from the earth. And it was so. Whatever God proclaimed, it came to pass. Notice now that God was speaking into existence something that had never existed before. God in all of his power had to step into time and when he arrived the Bible says that it was without form and dark but after he started proclaiming that's when things started changing Woo, I'm trying to give you my best stuff here for the, for the Israelite community that was good news to them uh, to know that while they were experiencing being stuck in darkness and in despair that if God proclaimed order into chaos, that surely God could proclaim into their situation too. Uh, notice that God not only didn't have to touch the situation, but all God had to do was proclaim something. Because God ain't got to touch everything, but all you need is one word from the Lord, and it would do. 
And maybe that's not just the Israelites' testimony this morning, but some of you know that if it had not been for God stepping in your situation and proclaiming a word over your life that you don't know where you would be. Somebody under the sound of my voice know what it's like to be in a dark situation but all of a sudden God stepped in and spoke a word and changed that thing. Somebody know what it's like to go to the doctors and hear about your sickness and disease but God stepped in and spoke a word and now you're sitting in these pews oh, for when God speaks things change when the Lord speaks nothing remains the same and I'm not really sure where God stepped into your life and I I'm not sure what God proclaimed to you maybe he told you you should live and not die maybe he told you it won't always be like this maybe he told you that this is not the end of your story maybe he told you just to hold on just a little while longer I'm not sure what he said to you but I am sure of one thing that God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent but he will do just what he said so if God spoke it that secures it if God said it that settles it if God pronounced it it shall be produced if God called it it will be created if God murmured it he will make it if God whispered it he will will it if God told it he will turn it if God proclaimed it it shall come to pass tell your neighbor he will do just what he said uh, not only beloved do we notice in the text uh, that in the beginning God proclaimed over our lives uh, but secondly we notice that God purposed in our lives uh, take a quick look again at Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 the Bible tells us that in the beginning God uh, take note of the word beginning uh, Basil the Great one of the bishops and church leaders of antiquity noted that if in, G in Genesis there is mention of a beginning then there must also be mention of an end and while I did not come to talk about the end of the earth or your final days on this terrestrial ball, rather, I think what the text is tailored to teach us is about how God in all of his power and might made a beginning and uses his creation to a means of an end. In other words, that if God created, if God spoke, if God proclaimed, he also purposed it to be used all the way up until the end. Watch how all throughout Genesis chapter 1, God gives purpose to each thing he creates. He creates the light, and the light is given a purpose to distinguish what night and day is. God creates the dry land or the earth, and it is given a purpose to bring forth grass and fruit trees. Everything that God makes, he gives it a purpose. And for the Israelite community, this was good news for them, 
that while being stuck in exile or in their situation, many had thought that God was through with them. Many had assumed that their current situation was the signal that God had begun to block their blessings. Many had resulted to the frame of mind that because their situation was bad, God had taken his hands off of them and left them to die. But then they remembered that God still has a purpose for their lives. That there is not a thing that God makes that he does not will, he does not call, or he does not purpose. That no matter how messed up and dirty and sinful that thing might be, he still assigns it a purpose. Israel was reassured even while being stuck in a place they didn't want to be in that they were still a royal priesthood and a holy nation and a peculiar people. That God still had his hands on them and there is no person, no situation, there is nothing that can stop the purpose God has for their lives. And I've just come to semantically sit by some of you and remind you that God has a purpose for your life too. God is not through with you. God has not given up on you. God has not left you. God still has a purpose for your life. So you can let the people talk and you can let the storms come and you can let the situations arise, but God still has a purpose for your life that no matter where you find yourself and no matter where you stuck in life and no matter what side of town you come from and no matter what your status is God still has a purpose for your life and surely if the Bible shows us that even the dirt has a purpose and even the grass has a purpose and even the animals have a purpose surely you and I have a purpose for being on this earth. And I'm so glad that, that God still has a purpose for my life. And you better believe that if God has begun something in you, that he will finish it until it comes out of you. And just because you are in a bad place does not mean it can't be a blessed place. Uh, let me say that again. I said just because you're in a bad place does not mean it can't be a blessed place because sometimes God uses the worst that is happening to you to get the best to come out of you but please know you've still got a purpose uh, so don't you give up man don't you give in don't you think nobody cares about you don't you think you're too far in too far down or too stuck for anything to change no, child of God, plant your feet, square your shoulders, hold your head up high and know that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. And neither has it entered into the heart of man what you shall be. You've got purpose. Remember that he that has begun a great work in you will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. No, child of God, remember that God knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You've got a purpose. Finally, as I rushed to my seat in the beginning, not only did God proclaim over our lives, not only did he give purpose in our lives, but finally God provides for our lives.
when you go home and read the Bible for yourself, you will notice that Genesis 1 seems to have a pattern. Every day, something different is made. On day one, night and day are made. Day two, the sky and the separation of water is provided. Day three, the earth, the sea, and the vegetation is provided. Day four, the stars are provided. Day five, the fish and the birds are provided. And on day six, the animals on top of the earth and humanity is provided. Uh, what is interesting in this setup is the order in which God creates. On the first day, God creates conditions necessary for the second day. On day one, he makes the night and day. But later on day four, he creates the stars. On day two, he creates the sky and separates the water. But on day five, he makes the birds and the fish. On day three, God made the earth and the vegetation. And then later on day six, God made the humans and the animals. Okay, you didn't get it. Let me fly back around and come and get you. God is a God of order. And when God made this earth, he created the sky before he created the stars. Because otherwise, the stars wouldn't have anywhere to shine. God created the water first before he created the fish. Because otherwise, the fish wouldn't have anywhere to swim. God made the earth and the vegetation before he made the animals and the humans. Because you and I would be hungry. Uh, this pattern simply shows us that God already provided everything we need before we stepped on the scene and for the genesis chapter one audience this was even better news to them because they realized that even in their situation god still provides and i wonder if there's anybody in the room this morning who can testify that they know what it's like to be going through a problem but realize that god still provides even in the midst of my problem somebody knows what it's like to have a few aches and a few pains but still able to thank god that even though you wobbled in the door you've got breath in your body you've got a mind to think you've got hands to clap you've got feet to stomp and you've got a mouth to shout god provides and what the text is trying to show us is that God made provisions for us even when we don't even recognize it. Don't you know that God grew a tree yesterday because he knew you would need oxygen to breathe today? Don't you know that God is choir directing your lungs to inhale and exhale right now? Don't you know God is creating a rhythm and a beat in your heart to make sure that the blood is running warm through your veins. Don't you know that God is making connections and synapses in your brain so that you're able to think through this sermon? Don't you know that God is making preparations right now on the road for you to make it home safely? God provides provisions for you and I. And this is where I've got to leave you, friends. Uh, but before I take my seat, I thought I'd take a room check and ask if there's anybody who's thankful that God provides for their life. I said I come to do a room check to see if there's anybody in the house who can.
came to lift up their hands to lift up their holy hands and thank God that he provides uh, I might not have all that I want I might not be able to buy everything in the store I might not be able to check out on my Amazon cards but I'm thankful that God provides he provides food for my family he provides breath in my body he provides strength for my step he provides shelter he provides clothes he provides shoes he provides a little money in my pocket and I just can't sit here after all God has done for me and be silent but with my hands lifted up and with my mouth filled with praise I will bless thee O Lord I said I'll bless him because great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies I see all I have needed thy hand has provided and so I'll say thank you Lord for being a mighty good provider I'm done I'm done I'm I'm so thankful that in the beginning God proclaimed I'm so thankful that in the beginning God purpose but I'm even more thankful that in the beginning God provides and if you can't remember any of that in the midst of your traffic if you can't remember any of that in the midst of being stuck in whatever you're dealing with just remember these two words God is uh, God is what I'm glad you asked God is the joy and the strength of my life he moves all pain misery and strife he promised to keep me never to leave me never come short of his word I've got to go but I've got to fast and pray stay in the narrow way keep my life clean every day I want to go with him when he comes back come too far and I'll never turn back somebody say God is my all and my all